first today is restart with America's Clergy on Baltimore. Ray has been America's Clergy for six years. All right, can everybody hear me? Yes, all right, thank you. Got that on. Thank you, appreciate that, Aaron. Thank you, Aaron. Thank you, CJ, for having me. Thank you, Red, for your help. Thank you guys for coming. My name is Ray with America's Clergy Warranty. Um, I'm going to need your help today. So, for those that are in attendance here, um, people online, everybody, we're good here? Yeah, awesome. Okay. Uh, I'm going to need your help though today because if we just go through this PowerPoint, okay, I even have some people that are in total here. So, I'm going to need some, some participation, just questions. Um, I'm really going to talk about working in general, okay? And Aaron, so this is a two-hour credit, but we are going to be here for four hours talking about both of these. Okay. Everybody's not in my world? Okay. All right, I get it. I get it. Um, okay, so again, I am Ray with America's Preferred Homework. There's about five of us homework companies out there that don't have the name America. So I'm with America's Preferred Home Warranty. We're right out of uh, Jackson, Michigan. We have a call center there that's 24 7. We hear people call and make a claim and then call there and also in the dealership. So, um, very proud to be part of the association. I'm proud of that I can come and introduce uh, some more information to you guys. Question uh, Who offers ones? Both people here, two people offer it. Okay. Three. Okay. Can everybody hear me? Okay. Little low on the back. So, how's that better? Okay. Um, so maybe after today, I'll I'll enlighten you on home warranty a little bit. If you don't know anything about it, I know we have a lot of people online. Hopefully, everybody can hear me and have questions. Uh, my email address is rstark at aphw.com. Um, I would be glad to meet with anybody uh, in the future. That's what I do. I kind of travel the states and meet people one on one, do some trainings like this to educate you on kind of home warranties. Um, really, I want to try to have you, whatever you think about home warranties, I'm going to have you maybe have a different thought process. Um, Aaron introduced uh, himself, introduced myself as a risk management partner. Um, and what I mean by that is there's so many things going on during the transaction now, especially in the environment we're in, we're going way, way too fast. Okay, things are getting missed. We're waiting inspections, which we shouldn't do, right, Jason? Um, but it is happening, okay? Waiving inspections, paying way over list price. We're letting the we're letting uh, the the buyers, the sellers stay in the house. So the concession is sell my house, let the new buyer allow the seller to stay in the house longer than usual so they can go find a house. Things are just different now and things are getting missed. Okay. And what I mean, what I'm going with this is people are getting taken for it. Okay. People as in you guys, brokerages, the show's associate brokers, whoever. Um, adding the home warranty can reduce or uh, mitigate those the chances of you guys happening. Okay, um, the number one reason why top real estate agents use a home warranty. Anybody guess? What's the number one reason? What's that? Furnace. Anything else? 
It's not coverages. There's no surprise here, you guys. I mentioned there's about five or so warranty companies here. We all pretty much cover the same stuff. Okay. The number one reason why people add a home warranty is to reduce or eliminate post-closing issues. And that can be the furnace. Could be whatever the mechanical parts of the home. Okay, but it also gets you taken out of that equation. Okay. So just kind of have the approach of this. Yeah, it covers the furnace, but that's that's your client's why. That's your client's why. I'm trying to today I'm going to try to tell you what's your why. And it might change your way of thinking about wow, I should add this to every single client, not prejudge who I think is this. At least offer it with some value. Okay. One thing I can't do today is um, talk too specific about my company. Uh, the state gave me the credit of uh, being able to do this to talk about warranties in general. Okay. And that's what I'm going to do. If you guys ask questions, we can maybe elaborate a little bit more. So that's where I'm going to need a little bit of participation the state of Michigan, um, the Midwest area. And I like to bring information that I hear and learn from agents and speakers and big agent gurus in the business. And then I like to bring it to you guys and share information that's working, um, mistakes that we might be making, some success stories. And I loved it. I was in Traverse City a couple weeks ago and there was a speaker and he was out of Chicago and he successful real estate agent, uh, keynote speaker. And he said, the number one mistake agents make is, can anybody throw out a guess? What's the number one thing According to consumer reviews, surveys, what's the number one thing us real estate agents think? Everybody in this room doesn't make any mistakes, obviously. All right. Well, that's a rhetorical question. Um, and I'm not suggesting anybody here does this or online, but um, statistically, this is kind of what he said. He said, uh, we are going very fast and things are being missed, but the thing that consumers are a little disappointed in it with us. And I say yes because I was an agent back in a previous life. Um, we're not anticipating or letting you know to our clients the process. What's expected next? Okay. You're saying to yourself, well, I do that. Do you do that or do you do it as it comes? Okay. We're going to do an appraisal, and this is what may happen based on your experience. Um, title work, we have to do this, and this is what, what may happen. Okay, um, we're going to do an inspection, and these things might come up. So, the analogy this, this keynote speaker gave was and he was coming from Chicago, going up to Traverse City, and he said there's a sign just about on every bridge, 50 feet before the bridge, and it says bridge hikes before road. Everybody see that sign before? Okay, well, when you're going 70 miles an hour, you have 50 feet to react, you can't. Okay, so you don't have time to prepare, but something may have already happened. Okay, he said the sign that I like is two miles before a rest area, so the rest area two miles. But underneath that sign, it says the next rest area 37 miles. But you have time to prepare. Do I want to stop now, or do I can I wait for 37 miles? Working through the process is what he was trying to talk about. So I'm tying this all into the, the home warranty. We really need to offer up with the right expectations. Okay. Um, and again, I can't, I don't have time to do that today, but that's where I'd like to meet with you guys one-on-one. -on -one. I have scripting on how to offer it. Um, so if you'd like to do that, I have a sign up sheet up back. 
people online, people like to shoot me emails, I'd love to do that. So, with that said, is there any questions here? Okay. Uh, slide in. All right. So what we're going to cover today, what is a home warranty? We're going to be very basic, you guys. This is where we need some conversation. If you have questions, anything that came up when you presented a home warranty, uh, just anything at all. Um, understanding the basics of the home warranty plan, why is the home warranty used, who benefits from the home warranty, okay? Um, obviously, your client does. That's the, that's the obvious thing, but let's, again, re reprogram our brains to how can you guys benefit from um, the application process, overcoming objections, and review and discussion. Uh, again, here's where I have to kind of be generic. So, home warranties have different coverages, limitations of liability for specific questions for pertaining to a particular home warranty different than mine. Uh, check with that uh, home warranty uh, rep. Okay, so what's the difference between a home, home warranty and homeowner's insurance? Um, anyone that's done a few of these, um, you're going to get asked a lot of questions, and this is a popular one. What's the difference between this and homeowners? Uh, essentially, homeowners insurance uh, is uh, hazard insurance. Uh, law policies may vary in general, but basic homeowners policy is divided into four parts structural, damage, personal belongings, liability coverage, and living expenses. And then the home warranty is risk reduction. Normally a one-year renewable contract, some some uh, two years are available, and it helps protect your investment by covering major system compliances. So that's a long way of saying mechanical versus structural. Mm -hmm. This goes to the one. The home warranty covers single-family houses, townhouses, condos, mobile new construction. Why in the world would you put a home warranty on a new construction? It is, it is a tool out there, and what it is in the state of Michigan, most home builders have the first year as the, as the warranty, right? The home warranty new construction kicks in the 366 day after closings, and then it goes for three more years. When a new construction, the homeowner essentially has a four year home warranty. Okay? Uh, we're finding that builders like this because they don't know- Cut it off, like, okay, it's been, it's been a year, but they're still calling me. Um, I want to give good customer service. I want to represent my company well, but man, when do I cut this off? Okay. If they have the home warranty that's added during the, during the one year builder timeframe, the builder can say, you know what? You are now with X warranty company for the next three years. Okay. Uh, also cover multi-units. Um, up to a fourplex or five or more lease option, land contracts, rent to own, and foreclosures. Um, I was in the mortgage lending business in the 2008, seven, eight, nine. Um, so if you do do a foreclosure, there's a 30 day waiting period before the home warranty goes into effect. Why would that be? Because we know now, based on back then, when someone got foreclosed on, they took everything out of that house. The to the wiring, the copper wiring, to the plumbing, everything. They took it. So there's a 30-day buffer there. Um, and I only kind of highlight foreclosures, but are we are we sneaking into that maybe niche again coming up? Who knows? 
Okay. All right. I guess I got to stay in that box for people to see me, right? All right. Uh, contract conditions. On the effective date of the contract, things that are covered are located within the confines of the foundation of the home or attached garage. Uh, they become inoperative due to normal wear and tear. I'm going to repeat that phrase a lot. Normal wear and tear, normal wear and tear, normal wear and tear. Uh, they must be in good working order on the effective date of this contract, and they must be properly installed throughout the term of the contract for proper diagnosis. Um, someone says that something's broke or failed. They call the warranty company, and a contractor comes out, and he says, well there's duct tape and coat hangers making this thing work. <laughs> uh, that's not gonna be a covered item, okay? So things have to be properly installed. Um, covered items are located within the confines of the home foundation on the exception of the AC unit outside the house, um, the water well pump, pool or spa, septic, um, if included or selected in the contract. Okay, you guys. I've only got about 10 more slides and we're whipping right through this. Any questions? Yes. Yeah, the question is, is the well and septic covered? There is coverage. Um, if you use another warranty company, ask that person, but generally yes. And with some warranty companies, it has to be an optional coverage, but yes. Now we're not gonna, warranty companies aren't gonna do a complete rehaul of someone's draining system, drain field, but the, the, the well pump itself, yes. And, and septic in some occasions. What about aging equipment? Like an aged air conditioner unit? What about aging equipment? Age, um, the, uh, so this is, this, this is where I always have to be careful because I can't, I can't talk specifically about me, but in general, warranty companies, age does not matter. The key is, must be in working order at time of closing or inspection and fail due to normal wear and tear. When you have questions like that, always ask yourself that. Did it fail due to normal wear and tear and why? And was it in working order when it closed? So age doesn't matter. In fact, that would be a great time to put a warranty on, right? That's why we put warranties on because it's old and we don't know and the homeowner wants a peace of mind as long as it's in working order as it should at time of closing or inspection. Question. So if there was no inspection, how do you know something was in working order if How do we know it was in working order if there was no inspection? Uh, this is a loaded question. Very loaded question, but a very pertinent and important question, okay? So we, I'm not gonna get into the legal content here, but Seller's disclosures always say everything was working, right? Okay. Uh, I sat in this very room not too long ago listening to a con ed, and I'm not quoting anybody. I just, the general generality of it is seller's disclosures aren't as strong as you think they are. Okay. Um, let's just leave it at that. But the seller legitimately, yeah, I, um, everything was in working order. So here's the, here's the deal on that. Um, well, with if there wasn't a home inspection, it doesn't mean a denial, okay? There's still coverage. It's just that the homeowner calls, makes a claim, and then the contractor calls and make, gives the diagnosis, okay? 
and the company will say, in your professional opinion, do you think it failed due to normal wear and tear? And we're going to, and a company, I keep saying we, I got to be careful. The warranty company will then go by what the contractor says, okay? Because that person's the eyes and ears for the warranty company, okay? Did I answer that question? Okay. Um, keep in mind, and I don't want to go down a rabbit hole here, but just for your knowledge, because we're all in the same industry, we're all on the same team here, just for, for your knowledge, if someone's used the air condition for the last time last fall and it worked great, that's what their seller disclosure says, new homeowner comes in, turns it on, and it doesn't work. There's two things going on here. Nothing happens in the course of winter for something to fail due to normal wear and tear. Okay, so if it turns on and didn't work, probably already failing when it was sold. Okay, I'm going to leave it there. Call me, email me to elaborate on that. Okay, now, yes, a, a rodent could have gone in there. There's all there's things that could have happened, um, but I will leave that there. And again, just get a hold of if you're using another warranty company, get a hold of that rep or get a hold of me on how that's kind of handled. Okay. Good questions. Jason. Is it your list or is it uh, any contractor that the holder wants to? So who, who, um, who's the contractor that the homeowner, um, who tells the, the homeowner who to use? There are companies out there that the home warranty companies have a, a vendor list. And there are companies that the homeowner can choose their own contractor. You don't know how bad I want to say something right now. <laughs> how long after something to struggle with this? When buyers, like, let's say there wasn't a warranty, but the buyers are thinking about buying one, and they won't make the What's the time frame from the day it closes that they can put that on? I mean, I don't think they can put it on anytime they want. I mean, that's not part of the But what, what time frame do you still consider it at closing? So the question is, when can we add a home warranty? If it's not done right in the transaction or at closing, how long does the homeowner have to add the warranty? Um, technically, seven business days after closing. Okay. Now, um, it's a legitimate response. Someone says, I want to think about it. Okay. Generally that's a $500 bill. I want to think about it. That's legit. What you can say to that is that's cool. You have seven business days after, after the closing, but if you wait after that, you're not going to get my real estate uh, agency discount. You're going to have to wait 30 days after that before it comes into effect. Okay. And inevitably that's when something's going to fail shortly after closing. Now, that's the technicality of it. Um, if you had it on the Alta statement or it was, a, it was an addendum to the purchase agreement and you just forgot to order it. And oh my gosh, Ray, it's been, it's been after seven business days. Technically, RESPA lets us go 30 days if we can prove a paper trail, okay? Good question. Did I answer it? Awesome, you guys. Any other questions? Encouraging uh, listing agents to put policies on their house when they live. Are we encouraging 
sellers to put a, whole, uh, a warranty on during the listing period? Yes. Now, anybody that's been in the industry for a little while and has a little bit of experience with home warranties, traditionally 80% of the home warranties went like this. I'm the buyer's agent. My buyer loves your house, Mr. Seller Agent. And, but for a peace of mind, will your seller pay for a warranty for me at a close? Traditionally, it was yes, okay? Um, I don't care if you've been in the business 40 years or four days. The last two years has been new to everybody, okay? And so we're all kind of learning this together, uh, which is kind of cool actually, okay? Um, but in that situation, the seller's like, it's not in the other five offers or 50 offers. No, I'm not gonna pay for a warranty. It's as is, he buys it, okay? If you're representing a seller, and the first thing I would do when I teach this in my scripting is introduce it right away and say, hey, look, this how I'm gonna, how we're gonna do this, I'm gonna sell your house faster for the most money and for less negotiations is we're gonna add this home warranty, okay? You're gonna have some mechanical coverage during the listing period, but really what it is for us is it's, it attracts buyers, okay? It gives whatever buyer a peace of mind to put an offer in on your house. Now your, your appliances are a little older, uh, but if it comes with a home warranty. And by the way, the listing, our listing warranty comes, um, it comes through the duration of the listing period It closes, then it transfers to the new buyer at no cost. Okay. Um, I have a whole bunch of scenarios there that I can't get into either, but on how to convince the seller to do that. But I said it does three things less or uh, mo more money, sells faster, and less negotiations. Now that's in a regular world. I'll give you that you're going to sell it for a lot of money and fast right now, but it can be a less negotiating tool. Because a good buyer's agent's gonna say, can we, will your buyers sell us, or will your seller buy us a home warranty at close? Well, if you have a listing warranty, it already comes with it, okay? And you can put that right in the MLS. Comes with a one-year home warranty. Now, before I got in this business, when I would see a sign writer on a for sale sign, I would say, well, what's wrong with it? Anybody think about that? Like, well, if it comes with a home warranty, what's wrong with it? That's what I thought. But now that I'm in this business and I can now put a spin on it, it's, it comes with a home warranty because I'm so confident about this house that if anything goes wrong, I'm gonna buy you a warranty, okay? So that's how you can, you can advertise that, okay? Um, sorry, I go off rabbit, rabbit trails too sometimes. Ray, is it the same price for that, uh, that warranty that could last a year and a half? Is the seller's warranty the same as a buyer's warranty? Yes. Same and price. same price. Um, nobody pays for it until it closes though. Okay. They just say, yes, you order it. They are now covered until it sells. Once it sells, goes to the buyer, uh, but then they don't pay for it until it closes. Um, there's more warrant, uh, company specific on that. So if that interests you, let me know after class or give me a call right here real quick. Can an agent uh, pay for the warranty to put on the house? Can an agent pay for a warranty to put on a house? Wow, what a way to get around. I don't want any, I don't want a warranty. And what a way to cover your butt after the closing. I'm seeing more and more and more of that right now. 
the agents that really get the warranty and they've seen the results and the benefits of it, especially for first-time home buyers, they're offering it and they say, well, we can't afford it. Ding, 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 ding. Well, if you can't afford it now, you can't afford it later. And guess who they're going to call later? You. So the answer to your question is absolutely, 100%. You could even split the cost with the other agent. And the follow-up question. So what if like your seller's agent and you put their warranty on the house and it didn't sell within that time and it goes expired and the seller chooses another agent to sell the house, that would that um, warranty transfer to the other agent's name or it will um, expire? Like it would not be the seller, the seller, the listing agent is going to put a warranty on during the listing period for the seller. And then what? And then it didn't, the house didn't sell. The house didn't sell. And expired. expired. And the seller picks another agent, different agent to okay. sell the house. And the seller picks another agent to sell the house. Does that warranty follow? No. For a seller, for a listing warranty, you'd have to start it over. Okay. okay. Good question. But yeah, nobody paid for it because it never closed. Exactly. Did you have a question? Yeah. So uh, you mentioned if the if the agent or even if the seller were to uh, agree to a home warranty before, let's say it makes it appear a little bit better, um, and let's say it takes three months, does that one year warranty start at the day of closing for the new buyer? Yeah. You have a the question is you have a seller's warranty. It's on during the listing period and it's on for a day or three years. Once it closes, that buyer reaps the benefit of a one-year contract. Good question. Sweet, love it, we're killing time. Okay, uh, next slide, please. Uh, what is normal, normal wear and tear? Uh, the physical deterioration which occurs in the normal course of the use uh, of the use for which the property is intended without negligence, carelessness, accident, abuse, or on the premises uh, or equipment by the occupant, members of the household, or their invitees or guests. I think it's pretty self-explanatory. Um, we'll kind of get into a couple more slides to elaborate a little bit on that. Uh, excludes pet damage yes one thing i love when my home inspector is asking questions that's great i love it because we are kind of you guys don't it's it's going on i get it but do not just throw a home warranty on and replace of a home inspection i'll i'm willing to lose business you gotta have that home inspection if they insist on waiving it you're their client fine that's good if they say I have to, but I, then you offer a warranty, just make sure all parties included, all parties involved know that things have to be in working order as they should known to both parties. Okay, then a warranty can become uh, a, a valuable tool. Okay, if something's already broke and all parties know about it, the home warranty is not gonna cover it. If that were true, Everybody would put a home warranty on and I wouldn't have an industry, right? Does everybody understand that part of it? Cool. Uh, hey, Ray, we have a question online. Cool. If providing a home warranty with a listing, when do we call it in at close or when the listing goes live? 
When do we add a listing warranty? As soon as you're with your, your client and they agree to hire you and you introduce the warranty, that's when you need to order the warranty. All you do is call it in, and I'm being company specific here, call it in or go online. Once a, once a contract number is generated, that's when the seller is now covered, okay? Um, I'm very transparent, I'll be totally honest. There are other companies, okay, with us, once you, once you find a buyer, you can no longer, and it's under a buyer's contract, you can no longer add a seller's warranty, okay? Because you've already done the job of what a warranty can do, attract buyers. I'm gonna go against what I'm supposed to do here, but because I wanna, we're all here to be educated and this question comes up. Um, other warranty companies, if you found a buyer, you can add a seller's warranty, okay? I'm gonna leave it at that. Okay, if you're using another warranty company, ask that person that question. Did I answer the question online? Okay, thank you. To the other, what is that? Yeah, can you go? I think one back. Yeah, what are examples of things that are not normal wear and tear? Water heater sediment, lack of maintenance, not changing furnace filters, not maintained air conditioners, fire freezing, acts of God, rodent, uh, electrical failure, or surge. Um, water heater sediment, call me. It can't be company specific, but call me. Uh, so lack of maintenance, there wasn't a home inspection done and then the furnace fails and the contractor comes out and the contractor tells the warranty company, well, yeah, this thing doesn't work. The furnace filter is caked on that much of stuff. It's not gonna be covered, okay? Lack of maintenance, okay? Um, I rarely see that, but that's just a, uh, an example of all right, next slide. What is covered? I'm not gonna read through this, but I still get a kick out of this. Telephone. <laughs> My grandma still has a telephone wire, but man, okay. Yeah. Um, question is, what would be an example of a non-maintained air conditioner? I can speak to that. There you go. My home, my home inspection guy. You need to clean all that uh, copper wood debris off that air conditioner, and you don't. And then peeing on it, and you don't. Or you fired up with a cover that was on it, and your home inspector said you should remove it. Should not have it. Those are examples of. Okay, so the question was, what are examples of not maintaining your air conditioner? Jason, home inspection guru says, um, uh, keep your pets away from the unit. And I learned this and I can't believe it, that they love to chew on that and pee on it. It's I, unbelievable. Um, the cottonwood buildup under over the unit and then what, wondered why it froze wonder why it freezes up with all that cottonwood debris on top of it and then or if you have a cover over it and you turn it on okay those are examples of not maintaining your ac unit thank you jason
question. Do you have to have the service unit, uh, the unit serviced every two or three years? Uh, we would we would never ask for that. But if there was a claim gone south, and you can prove that you did, that would help. That would help the cause of maybe um, helping out with that claim. Never hurts. But no, we're not going to say was this serviced, and I want to see receipts. No. Um, any questions on this slide? I'm not going to go through them. Every warranty company, again, I kind of started us off here, pretty much covers the same stuff, you guys. It's it's the relationship that we build, uh, the trust factor we have there, and uh, everything else that goes into building our business. But um, does anything stand out that anybody has questions on? Yeah. I don't see refrigerator or freezer. Am I missing that? Uh, you don't see refrigerator or freezer. Um, the guy that made the slide probably forgot to put them on, but yes, those refrigerator freezer are on there, um, but optional coverages. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, I'm talking specific generally in, okay. with my company. Uh, those would be an add-on. Okay. Every company has their own little programs like box A and then you go up to box C. And then if you come over here, um, my brochures in the back, if you guys want to take one or take a peek at that and see how we do it. Um, you're welcome to do that too. Okay, next slide. Um, with warranty companies, the repairs are handled by uh, home warranty preferred contractors um, with a supply of their network contract or homeowners can choose their own contractor. Uh, so some companies, you have to choose who the contract, who the warranty says, and some companies, you love homeowner choose their own contract. <laughs> okay. All right, cool. I like the smiles out here. Um, at the home, when fixing the problem, so a contractor will come out, the contractor will diagnose the problem, perhaps repair the problem. There is a trade service or a deductible, and that's depending on the warranty company and which program you choose, okay? Um, they're gonna diagnose it. They're gonna confirm that there's coverage. And then um, we highly suggest any warranty company um, always call the warranty company first. First, 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 the client. But they're not going to, are they? They're going to call you, <laughs> right? But then you're going to be able to say, ah, that's why we did the home warranty. Call them. I don't want to deal with post-closing disputes. That's the number one reason why agents had a home warranty, right? Okay. But they're going to call you. Um, tell them to call the home warranty company. Um, the reason is, and I'm huge, huge into expectations, okay? We have to understand expectations. I don't want you guys to offer a warranty if you don't know anything about it, okay? And that's, and that's how I, that, that's what I now do for a living is educate agents on how to offer the warranty and the benefits for you guys, okay? Um, we, want, we want to be that sign that says, rest area two miles, next 137 expectations how does it work okay if we're just like we're not going to do a home inspection yeah i know the furnace is making a weird noise we'll just throw a home warranty on there or you'll get a new one if it fails that's not how my company works or any home warranty company works you might have lucked out once or twice but it's going to catch up to you okay um so somebody uh something fails they call you call the warranty company the reason is so they don't 
if you know if they've got it fixed and they say, well, the home warranty company is just going to reimburse me, I expect that, and it's not, then that's the counterproductivity of the home warranty. Then you don't then you don't look good. Okay. Now disclaimer: furnace goes out tonight because it's going to it's going to be what 15 degrees out tonight. Furnace goes out tonight, and they have a, you have a baby in the crib, and it's freezing you need to get the thing fixed whether you have a home warranty or not right if they get it fixed my company or or other warranty companies and then you file the claim if it's covered we can reimburse the homeowner okay we're not out to hurt anybody but if they had that home warranty they had to get it fixed no matter what and we work backwards and it's a covered item we can reimburse the client okay uh, how much time do I have left here? 10 minutes, 10 minutes. Okay. I think we're going to be perfect. Um, the home warranty company handles your customer complaints. So um, everybody in this room, we like people. I would say, would you guys agree with that? That's why we're in this business. We like people. We like to put smiles on people's faces. Now it takes a pretty unique individual to handle claims all day, every day. And when someone calls in, they're desperate, they're horrified, they're aggravated, they're frantic, they're crazy, they're annoyed, they're frustrated, and they're inconvenienced. Would you guys agree? Okay. So um, they're all of that. And again, they're going to call you first, and they're all of that, probably even more so, because you're the first phone call. Okay. Let these people that are unique handle those people, okay? And where I'm going with this is my company or any warranty company, when you have one of those people talking to a claims analyst, they sometimes don't always hear what they're saying, okay? And then they may call you and say, oh, they wouldn't cover anything. They said they can do this and only this was much covered and that's not covered at all. That's what they heard sometimes, okay? And then they're gonna call you and then you're gonna call me or the other home warranty reps, okay? Please, please, please always do that because us reps at the very least can give you clarity as to why something was determined one way or the other, okay? Or if there's a gray area, because big surprise, there's a lot of gray area in home warranty, okay? Um, what my point is get your rep involved so we can help you. Okay. Me or any other rep in this industry. And I know I'm all in Michigan and they're all good people. Warranty reps. We're here to help you guys. Okay. All right. Next slide, please. Oh, uh oh, I must've said something. and choose what parts of a furnace AC that they will cover. In general, can you repeat that? In general. In general, do warranties ever pick and choose what parts of a furnace or AC they will cover? In general, does a warranty company pick and choose what they will cover? Specifically, uh, specifically, yeah, so um, if you use another warranty company, check with that rep. I will speak for my company right in my brochure. It tells, it's in fact bolded 
if this fails, it's covered, such as those items, condenser, capacitor, heat exchanger. If these things fail, it's not covered. So with my company, whoever's asking that, shoot me an email and I can really go into more detail on that. But we don't pick and choose. It's written. It's printed out. Okay, just some warranty companies may print it and some may not. Warranty companies don't pick and choose. There's guidelines. Okay. Was there another question? There is. When making a claim with the warranty company, do they depreciate the value of the furnace? When making... I'm going to be very general again here because uh, warranty companies they handle it the same way but the process is a little different the question is do warranty companies depreciate value on the items every company every warranty company has a max limit or max allowance what they do from there is different per company um, so whoever asked that question it's a good legitimate question call me email me if anyone else has the same question call me email me ask me after okay is that fair because then i'm getting real too i'm getting real detailed there but i do have an answer for you is that it okay so if a furnace dies that's really old are they being given a dollar amount or are they being given a new furnace if a furnace is really old are they giving a, a dollar amount or a new furnace um, I'll, I'll just dive into a little bit with my company again without going into too much detail. With my company, they have the choice. If a part failed, and let, I'm just throwing out a number here. If a part failed and it was a $1,500 part, okay, they can take that $1,500 and put it towards a new unit if they wish, or they can get the part fixed. So, for example, wow, this is our forever home. Let's just get a new furnace. Let's take that $1,500 and put it towards a new unit. Okay. Did I answer your question? So you can do either or with my company. Check with your, your other rep if you have another warranty rep. Okay. Uh, home seller benefits. Saves them time, saves them money, less hassles. Provides a smoother pre-post-sale transaction. Funds are applied when and if the home closes. Optional protection to the seller during the listing period can be renewed yearly. I think we covered the seller's side of it a little uh, in, uh, previously. Uh, next slide. Again, I'm going to probably have to fly through these now, you guys. So any questions for me, I'm going to be here uh, during and after Jason's presentation, too. So you can ask me or, again, call me or email me. Um, the buyer benefits. Gives them peace of mind. Uh, saves them money, keeps them in control, keeps them protected, and the funds are applied at closing. So whether you have a listing warranty or a buyer's warranty, it's not paid for until it closes, okay? Uh, the benefits for you guys set you apart from the competition. Believe it or not, not everybody offers a warranty and not everybody puts a warranty on. So if you're one that does, it sets you apart from maybe a, a, the other person trying to get another agent to, to help them out. So it sets you apart. Um, it can help with your repeat business and referrals. Um, anyone that's relatively new, you make it in this business, building your database and a referral source, okay? The warranty 
the warranty can be part of that for you guys. Again, check with me after. I'll show you how specific, specifically my company does that. Reduces post-sale disputes, increases productivity, keeps the deal together, and there's free marketing materials. Of course, there's always CYA. If they don't want it, have them sign the waiver. I have a specific program to my company that if you sign the waiver in our brochure, you offered it, they say no, they, they sign ours. They ever come back to you, anything not warranty related, and you have to dig into your E&O insurance, we'll help you with that. We'll help you with your deductible. Again, that's my company specific. Uh, but with any warranty company, make sure they you offer it and they say no, get a signature so they can never they can't come back and say, well, you never offered it to me. Okay. Who uses the home warranty? When do you present a home warranty? How do you explain a home warranty to your client? How do you overcome objections, include it in offer sheets? Uh, what's the next slide here? Tips on selling a home warranty include the warranty uh, presentation packets. Utilize the great marketing tools, include it in your buyer. I would put it, when you're going on a listing presentation or a buyer's uh, consultation, put the brochure right in there. One, so you don't forget to offer it. And two, you can tell them a little bit about it. And with me, I've got some ways to do that in about 60 seconds. Like everything we're talking about here, I've got it wrapped up into a script on how to offer it with all the right expectations in 60 seconds. Three ways to uh, enter a contract. I, again, that's funny. Facts. That's funny to me. I don't know why. Facts. Is that like something that's always true? I don't know. Uh, but yes, you can do it online, fax, phone. Um, with our system, we have an online system. You can do it. Next one, please. What do we need from you? Complete um, accurate information. Email addresses for buyers and sellers are as important as names and phone numbers. Uh, protection, keeping the deal together, repeat referrals. When you, this is my favorite saying, when you don't use the warranty, you become the warranty, okay? Well, if they even have the warranty, what did, what did we agree on? They're always gonna call you first, right? Uh, if you can't say, well, I'll call the warranty company, then you gotta figure it out, okay? You might be emotionally attached to this person. They're pulling on your heartstrings because they're brand new uh, newlyweds. It's their first time house. They have a baby in the crib and it's cold and all of a sudden you're writing checks for them. Let the home warranty company write the checks. All right. Okay, cool. Uh, I just want to wrap it up with this. I get it. I'm in your world, you guys. Ray, the home warranties, I offer it. It's hard to get in there. It's, it's just, it's another fee. Um, I'm not competitive because I'm asking the seller to pay for it. I get it. I get it. It doesn't have to be in the deal. It doesn't have to be part of the offer still build the value to your client. Everything can be done outside of closing so you can still be competitive, okay? But here's, so I said that I gather information throughout my territory and I bring that information, share success, things that are working, what's not. And I've got a guy um, actually in Lansing that puts down 80% of his uh, transactions um, and has done hundreds with me over the years. And I say, how do you do it? Even as an environment, you're not skipping a beat. He said, Ray, it's like this. It's like going to the doctor's office. If you go into the doctor's office and he says, man, you need a stress test. I'm going to put you on this prescription. Uh, we're going to do some lab work and I want to see you in three weeks. Are you going to say, well, you know what, doc, I don't need to do the stress test. I'll do everything else, but I don't need the stress test. 
No, he probably wouldn't say that. So doctor's orders translates into put it right in your net sheet. They want to do business with you. Those are, those are, what, the, those are what the fees are. But he says, this is how I, they never bat an eye. I explain it. Expectations. You have to get an appraisal, and this is why. We need title insurance, and this is why. We're going to do a home inspection, and this is why. We're going to add a home warranty, and this is why. He said, if I do that, they never bat an eye. Because just looking out for them. And that's what they have to do to do business with me. Certainly don't lose a deal over, no, you have to have a home warranty. My net sheet says so. No. But I'm saying if you have it right in your net sheet, and it's introduced right away, and the reasons why, in the right expectations, your chances of them getting the home warranty is greatly increases. Question. How about renewal? Can't the homeowners renew uh, year after year? Is there a limit on how long they can go with that? Yeah, can you renew after after the sale in the first year? Yes, we will call them uh, to see if they want to renew. We won't call them for anything else, but if they want to renew. Before I got in this business, I had a home warranty. I renewed for five years because it, it helped me. It just made sense, so yes. I think I'm probably cut off here. Uh, thank you guys. Come see me if you want people online. Shoot me an email, give me a call. Thank you guys. It's fun uh, following Ray. That went off. Fun following Ray because a lot of the things we uh, will allude to will be similar today. Um, in particular, expectations. Um, read deeply into some of the comments about he said that he said about contacting him directly, um, read between the lines there. There's differences between those warranty companies. And I'll say the same, there's difference between the home inspection companies, but we're not gonna focus on all those differences today. Um, been doing this a long time. Uh, we're approaching 25 years for me. I was looking out the window here earlier, um, looking at the parking lot and stuff and remembering when uh, GLAR, built this building and moved from the old facilities over on Grand River and time flies. Um, let's go to the next slide there if you would for me. Or not. Technical difficulties. There we go. Okay. What do inspectors do? Uh, the state of Michigan is an unlicensed state for home inspectors. It's important that realtors understand that. It's important that your clients understand that. That goes back to the expectations thing. Um, you'll see lots of flowery words in the marketing of our home inspection services. Um, if you see licensed, it's not true. We may be licensed builders. That's a good thing, but most of the home inspectors are not even licensed builders, okay? Um, personally, I think it's very important that you use a licensed builder for your inspections. There's lots of reasons that we'll talk about later to do that. Um, but remember the state of Michigan does not license home inspectors. They do, however, license pest inspectors. There are lots of people doing pest inspections though that are not licensed. Pest inspectors are licensed to the Department of Agriculture in their uh, uh, Department of Agriculture extermination uh, license is what is recommended for uh, pest inspectors. So important to note that. 
Certifications. There are lots of ways to become certified. I use the air quotes because many of them are paid for uh, certifications uh, where you simply fill out a form online, pay a little bit of money, and suddenly you're certified. You value your certifications through uh, NAR, through MAR, through the board, your education. You're here getting educated today. It's important that you understand who you're recommending, who you're having do a home inspection for you, who your home warranty companies are, so you understand their background and what value their certifications are, if there truly is value there. So do your research on that because they're not all created equal. The SOPs, the standards of practice vary from certification, national certification entity, the national certification entity. And until Michigan has a state licensure for home inspectors, everyone's will be a little different. So I'm gonna speak in global concepts here because some inspectors will do things a little differently because their national accreditation might recommend something a little different than another. A home inspection is a third party evaluation of the home on that particular day. That's important to note. We're in the middle of winter now. We have a house that gets the water turned off. We close 60 days later, be something gets held up with VA and suddenly it's a different house than it was 60 days prior. So we need to keep in mind, manage those expectations. That's a snapshot of what the house was on that particular day. Most inspectors will be inspecting the house from the top to the bottom in and out. They should be climbing on the roof. A few home inspectors don't do that. They may use binoculars. Um, some are using drones. Be careful with that. They technically may be licensed to be using a drone in the state of Michigan. Many of them are not. Um, they should be going in the attics. Um, and that doesn't necessarily mean walking through the attics, but that means the head and shoulders observation of the conditions in that attic. They should be going through crawl spaces. They should be going through the basement. They should be operating the major appliances in the house. This is where it gets a little fuzzy in different SOPs. A dishwasher, for example, most national accreditation companies recommend, organizations recommend you not turn on a dishwasher. Most dishwashers take several hours to go through the cycle. We turn it on, we give the impression that it works, it doesn't work, they're mad at us, okay? We really should just be inspecting to see that it's installed properly. Yes, maybe that it has power, but telling someone that it washes dishes good is just an impossibility in the time that we're at an inspection. The same can be said for our laundry devices. We wanna make sure that they're there, they're properly installed, operation is outside of that SOP. Refrigerator, on the other hand, if it's plugged in and working, we can tell it's cold, but that's all we can tell. We want to make sure. Ranges, ovens, we want to make sure they power up. We don't have any electrical issues when they are powered up. We want to make sure the gas is installed properly, make sure there's no gas leaks. But whether the temperature really gets to 350 degrees, we can't tell you that. And we'll tell you that. Um, but it does heat up or it doesn't heat up. Um, furnace, that's absolutely a must. Those furnaces must be operated. I would expect an inspector to have a good understanding of furnace operation so that they're not automatically telling you you need to get an HVAC contractor in here to inspect this because I can't tell you anything about it. You are 
recommending an inspector, your client is paying for an inspector to tell you about that house. And if they're having to recommend other professionals constantly, not saying always, constantly, to look at the furnace, to look at the foundation, to look at the roof, are they really doing you a service? Do they really know what they're talking about? Okay, my answer is no, they don't know what they're talking about. Are there exceptions to that? Yes, there are. We inspect that furnace, we're only allowed to do so much with that furnace, and we may see an issue that has us concerned, and then we're gonna recommend further evaluation. But we're not gonna blanket statement. It has to be serviced because I don't know anything about it. Get the third party opinion, a fourth party opinion in this case. Um, operation of the water heater, operation of the plumbing, um, structural evaluation of the house, the foundation systems. Again, they shouldn't be referring something out to another party to inspect the foundation. They should be able to do that. They should be trained to do that. They should understand foundation systems. And uh, that about covers the house stuff. Outbuildings are up in the air depending on the company. Some will include outbuildings in their inspection, some will not, some will charge more. So be aware of, of what we're doing there. Sheds usually, you know, those are hit and miss, but pole barns, uh, big ag buildings, stuff of that. Attached barn, uh, attached garage, I would expect to be part of the inspection. Um, so it's inspections of visual observation of the accessible areas. This is important, accessible areas. Back to what Ray said, managing your client's expectations. If we have a house that we can't access the attic because the attic catch is not there, screwed shut, there's a car parked underneath it and we can't get a ladder up to it, it makes it really hard for us to do our job. We may have to come back, we may not be able to come back, whatever the situation is. It's important that things are accessible. So from a listing side of it, make sure your listings are relatively clean, relatively organized so we can get to everything. We can't have 100 years worth of stuff stored in front of the furnace. It's gonna look bad for your buyer because we know the furnace hasn't serviced in forever because we got all that stuff in front of it and we can't look at it. We gotta get into those places. We gotta have the house prepared for that. Um, Realtor code of ethics and home inspections. You all know your paperwork you've got to fill out. It's right in there that you got to recommend a home inspection. Okay. Um, I'm with Ray. Set those expectations. I cannot tell you the horror stories we've had during COVID, a little less before COVID, with people, and I should blame COVID, the market too, skipping their home inspections. Grand Rapids, I don't know if any of you do business in Grand Rapids, I'm a member of the board there too. I would say one in 10 are having inspections right now. And I'm getting calls every week from buyers who are regretting that decision, okay? They overpaid, paid more than asking, escalation clauses, they skipped the inspections. That's the only way they could buy the house. And now they've got something that they were not prepared to fix, repair. They didn't know what they were buying because they didn't have the inspection. I understand the market's hot. If we can't have it as part of the contingencies to buying the property, do it before that offer is in place so we know what we're getting. Okay, next slide, please. Um, we've already started talking about some of this, setting those expectations, okay? I am not a warranty company, Ray is. 
I can't warranty how long something's going to last. I can just tell you the condition at that time. It's important that they understand that. These people are making the biggest purchase oftentimes of their life at that time. And there's a lot invested in it. But they need to understand no house is perfect. We talked about new construction warranties. I cannot tell you how important new construction inspections are. We think it's new. We think it's perfect. Oh, my goodness, it's not. This market is so hot. Contractors are so far behind. You would not believe the things that are missed, not purposefully, accidentally, by the builder, by the subcontractor, by the municipal inspector, because we were in a hurry to get this thing done and to the new homeowner. I found three houses in the last six months that had no insulation in the attic and have occupancy permits and the people were ready to move in. City said it was good. County said it was good. Builder thought it was good. Two cases, the builder had paid the invoice to the subcontractor to insulate the attic, but it had been missed. They were doing a ton that day. Someone thought this guy did it. The other guy thought the other guy did it. It didn't get done. They hadn't had that inspected. It'd be two or three years of terrible bills on their utilities before they realized, oh my goodness, I have no insulation in my attic. What happened? It's important that we do those, okay? Absentee buyers. Our market is different here if you've practiced real estate in other states, even other areas of this state, and that we encourage our clients to be there. It is an educational process for them. It's important that they be there. Other areas of the country don't do that. The inspector never meets the buyer. They go, they do their inspection, deliver a report at some point in the future, and that's the end of the transaction. Here, we want to educate that client. It's very important that they're here. We do have instances where they can't be. With COVID, we've all gotten very good at Zoom or FaceTime or whatever the technology may be. You should just be talking on the phone when they couldn't be there. We want to at least do that because it's important to communicate what we saw more than we can in just that written format that they're receiving in the report. Um, <clears throat> additional advisors, those are always fun. The inspection is for the buyer. <clears throat> Excuse me. It is not time for the buyer. I don't know what I did with my water. Oh, well, we'll be fine. Um, it is not time for the buyer to show their extended family the house, okay? Yeah, I can handle the kids being there, but when we bring dad, uncle, cousin, Larry, whatnot, we lose their attention. They don't get to hear everything. Things get missed. We get an overexcited dad who wants to assert his dadliness on the process. It just gets uncomfortable for everyone. So try to discourage your clients from having it be another showing time. They can do that after the inspection. They can do that the next week. There's always time to do that. We just shouldn't be doing it during the home inspection, okay? Reinspections. Different companies handle it different ways. Some will charge, some will not. Um, the example of couldn't get it into an attic. They get us attic access the following day. We can often come back and take a look at that. Um, and again, some will charge, some won't. That'll be up to the individual company. Restrictions, weather, seasonal height. Um, there's not a residential roof that I haven't been able to get in on unless we're snow or ice covered, okay? This time of year, we've got some seasonal restrictions and buyers just need to understand that. 
we can't climb on a roof when it's snow covered. Sorry. We're going to get up there close. We're going to remove some snow. We're going to take a look. We're going to give our best assessment that we can. If we get a melt off, maybe we can get back out there and take a look at it, but it's hard. Air conditions, we can't test in the winter. We can't run it. We can give a visual inspection. We tell you the age, condition, what it looks like. We can't run it. We just can't. We're relying on those disclosures that if they said it worked in the fall when it shut down, that's going to work in the spring. Hopefully they're being honest and hopefully that's the case, but we can't test air conditioners in the winter. Um, pools, I can't do anything with pool in the winter. Sorry. Um, on that note, and we'll see it again here in the future, pool inspections, some companies do it, some don't. That's usually an add-on service if someone needs a pool inspected. The pool companies generally do that since COVID. Inspectors have having to do it more and more because the pool companies don't seem to be available. They're way behind on keeping up to their own work. Um, owner's contents, we kind of talked about this. The hoarder houses are the worst. Little path to walk through the house. We try to give our best assessment, but there's always something new. I've got an appointment this afternoon where I got to go back to one. It was just that. It was a hoarder's house. Buyer chose not to have a termite inspection. Guess what? Got termites. Guess what? Got water. Could see some evidence of that, but the place was so full of stuff you couldn't see. It's very difficult. We got to set those expectations. Next slide, please. Um, and again, this is all expectations. Preparing those sellers. Okay. Um, we don't like to have the seller there either. There's nothing more uncomfortable. Thank you. There's nothing more uncomfortable than having a seller get to hear the things that are wrong with their house. And then having to argue with them about whether or not there's something wrong with their house. You know, the worst is always, oh, I just replaced that furnace two years ago. Well, that's interesting. It's dated 1992. I don't know how long that sat in that warehouse, but I doubt it was replaced two years ago. So ideally our sellers aren't there, okay. There are some extenuating circumstances, especially during COVID where we've had to seller working in their office in the basement and they leave the basement while we do the basement, you know, we can work around that, but ideally not there. It's just a difficult conversation. Um, more on that, seller's disclosure, always make that available to your inspector, ideally before we get there, okay. Worst case scenario when we're there. There's always information in there that can help us. And it's also important for us to be able to correct any information that we see on there. For example, the two-year-old furnace is really a 1992 furnace, okay? Um, it happens. Um, and then again, access. We need to have access. The pet thing, there's nothing, nothing worse than spending a cold winter day chasing a cat through the neighborhood that we didn't know was in the house that's an escape artist and we open the door, it runs out. Everyone thinks it's always dogs. We've had a lot of issues with cats. Had an attack cat once too, come from underneath the bed, grab right hold of your ankles. So if we've got pets, make sure the pets are taken care of, make sure we're aware of the pets ahead of time. Notes on doors, messages in our scheduling so that we know that we have to deal with them. Next slide, please. Okay, back to what I started to, allude to at the beginning. Most inspectors have national affiliations, okay? I'm not here to talk about the different ones. I recommend you do your own research. They are not created equal, okay? Most are pay-to-play organizations. And when I say that, I assume everyone knows what I mean. We're simply giving an organization money to accredit us 
credit our ability, no educational requirements, no testing, no nothing. Some are in between there, have a little testing, but my three-year-old son may be able to pass their test and get accredited. So know where those accreditations come. They are not all created equal, okay? Um, it's important that your inspector is a board member. Yes, sir. Um, I had a client one time ask me for a, a inspector who was licensed. Mm -hmm. So I contacted my guy and he mm -hmm. said, well, yeah, I'm licensed. Why doesn't the state of Michigan require license? I've been trying since the late 90s. All right, back up. I'm not a big fan of government involvement and everything, but my barber has to be licensed. I can't believe my home inspector doesn't need to be licensed. So, yes, ma'am. He had a client ask uh, for a licensed inspector. Why doesn't Michigan license their inspectors? Okay. So since the 90s, I've been personally involved in trying to get inspectors licensed. Okay. We've had several bills on the floor. We were close during the Angler administration to get it passed. Things fell apart and didn't get passed. Um, uh, Snyder, we were close again and it fell apart. There is another bill, same bill, it's been the same bill that keeps getting brought back up, um, but it doesn't look like it's going to come up this session either. Hopefully someday it will. It will with you guys' help. I hate to say this, but Mar has not been a big help in that. They kind of control that legislation, control whether it happens or not. So we need you guys' help in pushing towards some licensure, some standards. I will warn you if it happens, there is grandfather clauses in there. So we will get some, some people that have been doing inspections for a long time that may not necessarily be at the top of the line, but at least future will have some weight behind them when that does happen. Um, but back to the board, uh, make sure the board members, you're here getting this education from this great board. It's important that when we have a real estate transaction that we're using a realtor, we want them to be a member of our board and we want our inspectors to be members of the board. If they don't, if they aren't willing to participate in this body, don't send them your business. It also will enable them to have board key access, which is so convenient. Now we want you as the agents at those inspections, but we often have to do additional things. Set radons, pick up radons, different things. We are often there ahead of time before the client gets there. So you don't have to be there right there at nine. We're there at 8.30. If we can get in, that helps speed things along. Um, so it's important that they're members of those local board of realtors and have that Supra board key. I alluded to the builder's license already. Um, in the state of Michigan, most lenders will require at least a builder's license to certify things for FHA VA loans. Ron does an appraisal. He's got a concern about something. It comes up from the underwriters that we need to have this looked at. Your inspector doesn't count as the person to look at it unless they are a licensed builder. On a weekly basis, I am out there inspecting other inspectors work because they weren't licensed builders and having to certify a foundation, certify a roof, certify a furnace, whatever it may be, because a realtor recommended a inspector didn't have the ability to do FHA VA certs. So make sure you're recommending someone that can do that, okay? Um, we as board members also have the mediation arbitration clause. Hopefully we never have to use it, 
but again, an advantage of that. And back to expectations, make sure your clients understand that. Most inspectors will present an inspection agreement prior to starting the inspection, or maybe even a couple of days before the inspection that the uh, buyer will read and sign and understand that we have that in there. Next inspection, next uh, slide, please. And again, ask questions as I go along here. Um, process before, during, and after, okay? Generally, and again, I'm speaking in big terms here because every inspector is a little different. Most inspectors will do a little research on the home before they get there, okay? Um, I've been doing this a long time. Maybe I've gotten lazy with that. I show up and then I do my work. Um, but we'd like to get there early. We don't wanna have a client try to follow us up on our roof. I had to call the fire department a few years back before I learned my lesson when I had a couple insist on following me up on the roof. And I pleaded them, you don't need to go, oh no, we wanna see, we wanna see. It was a rant, I thought, okay, we can handle it. It's only a 512 pitch, this is easy. I got her up, walked her up to the peak and she would not let go of me. I'm a big man. I could not get her off me. Her husband had proceeded to climb up to the ladder and then he freaked up at the top of the ladder. He wouldn't get off the ladder, wouldn't get on the roof. He wouldn't move. He was afraid for his life. Luckily, I had my cell phone in my breast pocket and I was able to call 911 and ask for the fire department to come out. And they took their ladder truck and brought it up there, got him down first, extracted her off me. And now I don't let anyone on the roof with me. It's just not a good idea. So we wanna be there early and have that done to prevent it. It does create some expectation issues when they think, oh, you haven't been on the roof. We may take a picture. We'll be telling them about the roof. So hopefully they understand that. I don't want them on the roof with me though. I want to be there early and we'll take care of the outside too. So manage those expectations. We will let our clients know when you schedule with us that we're going to be there half an hour early. We don't want them half an hour early. And we will be emailing the listing agent to let them know that we're going to be there half an hour early. There's nothing worse than showing up at 8.30 for a nine o'clock inspection and the seller saying, you're not supposed to be here till nine o'clock. Well, their agent got an email from us. They often don't because we don't have their email. Manage those expectations, let them know they're gonna be there half an hour, tell them an hour, whatever. They have time to clean up. You've always got those clients that are running behind. That's always uncomfortable too. 15, 20 minutes into the inspection before they back their car out. And then we gotta play, uh, musical cars in the driveway because our client parked behind their car that was in the garage and get the seller out of there, make sure that they know that they need to go and we're ready for that. Um, the process, it depends on the inspector, depends on the company in terms of how long it takes. Generally, we'll say a three hour block of time. Most inspections really are an hour and a half, two hours with a half hour before they get there. Okay, um, bigger houses, uh, needier clients, and, and I use that term loosely, um, clients with a dad that's asking a million questions, it's gonna take a little longer, okay? But generally two to three hours for a home inspection. There are all different types of inspections. There's a four point inspection, there's walk and talks, um, there's narrative reports, there's computerized reports, there's comic book reports. Know what you're getting when you recommend an inspector. Know what style you like. Um, and some may need different individuals within a company based on their personality. Sometimes personalities uh, uh, 
are different. We're going to talk about some of the different other global inspections here in a moment. Um, the formats are kind of alluded to. Um, most of us now are computerized. Okay, for years I used a three-part form. Buyer got one. Uh, agent got another. I kept one. Um, I think most everyone now is on a computer. When you get that computerized report, very so based on company. A lot of the guys will go, and I got to be careful when I say guys. I'm gonna use that global. That can mean girls too. There are a couple of girls inspectors out there now. Thank you. That's we need more. Um, will take the information and go back to their office or home if they don't have an office and put the report together, and then a day or two later get the report. We deliver the report on site via email, review the report on site with the computer, um, but many will be that night or the next day or day after that. Know what that timeline is, because in markets like this, that timeline matters. We need to get this deal closed. We need to get this deal moving. We may need to make some repairs, do some negotiation, whatnot, and if we're up against in, in a competitive situation, it's important to know when we're gonna get that report. Ownership of the report. Your buyer owns that report, okay? Please don't call me and ask me to send your new buyer a copy of the report. I can't do that. The buyer owns that report. If the buyer wants to sell that report, that's their business. I'm going to tell them not to rely on it. Use a snapshot of that house on that day. But your buyer owns that report, okay? Um, report delivery we discussed. Uh, special issues with vacant homes. If I call and say the water's not on, it's because the water's not on. It's not because I don't know how to turn on the water. Um, make sure your utilities are on in the house. Um, I cannot tell you how many sellers who have vacated the house think they can skip a couple water bills, payments, and they'll catch up at close and the city turns the water off. They think it's on. They haven't been in the house in 30 days, 45 days, but the water gets turned off at the street. Make sure the utilities are on and available for us. We don't want to have to make multiple trips. Um, that may cost your, your buyer more. Um, we've talked about some of the access issues, pets, um, things available. Uh, Tenant-occupied houses had one yesterday. Won't name names. Tenants had no idea we're doing an inspection. Knock on the door. I'm a little early. It was 8.50. Hello. She's in her pajamas, here for the inspection, big eyes. We didn't know we had an inspection today. Make sure we've got access, make sure everyone knows. Next slide, please. National standards of practice. This goes back to the accreditation companies. Know what your inspectors, SOPs are, know what their standards of practice are, know what organization they belong to, if they belong to one. Um, Make sure they're board members, kind of a recap here. Insurance, this is, there's a lot of talk in the industry about insurance. You do want your inspector insured. Now, what type of insurance they carry, that varies. E&O insurance is very common for inspectors, so it's not required. Um, some inspectors don't like E&O insurance because the E&O insurance tries far too often to pay out claims as opposed to investigate and make sure that they should be paid out. So some inspectors choose not to have you know, but they need to at least have a liability insurance. So if they fall through the roof, if they fall off the roof, if they burn the house down because they left the oven on, we've got some coverage there, okay? It happens, all right? We had inspector, it's almost been two years now, fall through 
an attic on a new built home make a mess. Yes, sir. Most of that would be taken care of if we had licensing. Correct. Because right now you don't know whether or not they're insured. Licensing, the bill that's on the floor now does require licensing. Though it is just liability, it's not E&O, but still that would be covered. Yes, sir. Can you ask them if they have insurance? Absolutely. Can provide a copy? Do be careful because some of us take that, we get offended if it's asked at the time of scheduling the appointment. Because if I get a call, okay, and, and I understand my situation is different than some, I'm not looking for business, okay? If I get a call, I don't answer my phones. If my office manager gets a call and the first thing they ask are, are you insured? We don't want to do their inspection because oftentimes they're asking for something. Now you as the agent inquire, hey, you guys got insurance? Tell me about you. That's cool. We want that. But when the first question out of a client's mouth is, are you insured? They sometimes are looking. They're those difficult clients that are never happy. Okay. Yes. Can you repeat all the questions? Yes. Well, sorry. That that last question was, uh, can you ask if they have insurance? And and the simple answer again is yes, you can, but be careful how we ask, um, because you the inspector may not want to work with you. Continuing education. Okay. My national affiliation requires, like you that I have continuing education. I have to complete 20 hours every year, okay? They give me a couple ways to do it. I enjoy learning, so it's not a big deal to me. A lot of the organizations do not. Things are changing constantly in this industry. We've got new technologies, new processes. It's important that your inspector is educated on this. Flip side of that, young inspectors, and I was one of those at one time don't often understand the old stuff. It's important that they're educated and understand them all because not all our houses are three years old. We see a ton of turn of century houses and it's a different animal altogether. Okay, next slide, please. All right, the additional inspections that are out there. Radon, um, I'm gonna go through the, uh, what each of these entails in a second. So let's just list them off. You can see them. Radon pass, sewer scope, sewer scope's a newer concept here. Um, well and septic, lead and paint, water supplies, something that was real popular in the past, less popular now. Pools, we mentioned already. Uh, mold and air quality, truly two different things, not always understood. We have calls all the time asking for air quality tests when really what they want is just a mold test. Um, and then specialty certifications, roof certs, uh, technically pool inspections, spa inspections, uh, the uh, new infrared sauna inspection, stuff like that is a, a specialty inspection that goes in there. Um, next slide. All right, radon screening. This is probably the eh, number two add-on right now for a basic home inspection. Um, radon is a naturally occurring gas, comes from uranium deposits in the soil. As it breaks down, it outgasses radon. Radon for years, I would say, was the number two cause of lung cancer per the uh, uh, CDC. Now they are saying it's number one. So, uh, so it's a big deal. We are in an area that in my personal experience has about a 23% incidence of high radon. What is high radon? Um, anything above 4.0 picocuries per liter of air. The EPA says if it's above four, we're high, we should be mitigating, okay? Mitigation is easy. It's not the end of the world. 
The mitigators guarantee that they'll get the level below two. Generally, they get it below one. Simply a PVC fan system installed on your sub slab drain tile, whether that be through a sump pump crack, or if we don't have a sump pump, just through the concrete floor, if we have crawl space into the crawl space with an encapsulation system. Systems used to be very expensive. They came down a ton. They've creeped up a little bit as everything else has, but generally $800 for basic installation. Crawl spaces cost a little more because of the encapsulation. So it can be taken care of. Where's that radon coming from? Cracks in our concrete floor, crawl spaces that are encapsulated, sump pump crack, floor drain, sidewalls, um, stone. Old stone foundations contain granite. Granite tends to have uranium deposits in it. Even old houses that breathe real well sometimes will have high radon because of their stone foundations. Countertops, granite countertops do have radon. There's a 60 minute special on that some years ago. Um, interesting viewing if you have interest in that. Um, so we do recommend testing of radon because we have basically one in four houses tend to be high. That's greater Lansing area. You tell me a specific area and I'll tell you, you're gonna have it. DeWitt's high, Williams is high, Oklahoma's is high, East Lansing's high. Along the river in Lansing is high. Um, <laughs> latest hotbed, Ovid LC. I know surprising, it's about the soil types there. All those gravel pits, we have high incidence of radon, okay? Um, so certain areas much higher than that 25% or 23%. Um, the systems to test for radon vary depending on who you have tested. The counties will give out free charcoal canisters. Uh, Home Depot will sell you a charcoal canister. You can set it out, you can mail it in. Week later, you get your results. It's a real estate transaction. We really need to know quicker than that. So most home inspectors uh, either have a device or two or call my company. We have 45 of them. Um, and we set a sun nuclear device. It is a, um, it's a device designed just to detect radon. Sits in the basement, lowest livable area, on a ladder, approximately 24 inches from the ground for 48 hours. EPA requires 36. We do 48 to have good reading. Averages the hits of that radioactive material by the hour, reports them on the hour, and then we average that. When we pick that radon up, we have an idea of what the radon is going to be. We get a straight average. We take it back to uh, an office, back to a computer, generate a report, and then deliver what is called the EPA protocol average, which takes out the high spike and low spike. And again, as long as it's below four, life's good. It's above four, we need to install a radon system. Okay. Disclosable issue, it's in your disclosures. We got to disclose if we had high radon. Next slide. Yes. Radon only in the basement and not on upper floor? Great question. Thank you. I should have alluded to that. Everyone heard the question, but she said it, right? Okay. Radon can occur everywhere. Radon has a half-life, though. So the testing protocols, okay, are that we test in the lowest livable area. So if we have a finished basement, absolutely, that's the lowest livable area. If we have a semi-finished basement, yeah, still makes sense. If we have a Michigan basement, now we can start to argue whether or not we should be testing that basement or testing on the first floor, okay? If there is dirt floors, Michigan basement, no laundry down there, we probably are not going to test the basement. We're gonna test on the first floor. With the half-life of radon, 
it may be six in that basement, but when we get to our lowest livable area, the first floor, it may be three. It will be cut in half every eight feet it goes up. That's the nature of radon, that's how it works. If we are in a slab house, we should still be testing that. It's on a slab. If we have, uh, we will have cracks in the slab. They always do. You've got your holes where your drains go down through. If we are in one of those high areas, we can have radon in a slab house. Happens all the time. Crawl space houses, same thing, especially when they don't have a concrete floor. Yes, it can come through the concrete, but it comes through much easier when it's a stone crawl space, okay, which we have everywhere around Michigan. So easy answer is yes, we should test all houses regardless of construction style. Other questions on that, on the radon? Pest inspections, okay. Um, years ago, most FHA and VA loans required a pest inspection. Um, Non-FHA VA loans, it was up to the buyer whether or not they wanted to get a pest inspection. And we gotta be careful with, when we say pest inspections, what we were talking about at that time was a wood destroying insect report as defined by PUD, okay? Um, then we were looking in Michigan for carpenter ants, powder post beetles, and termites. Yes, we have termites in Michigan. Yes, we have a lot of termites in Michigan. Much like the radon, we have certain neighborhoods that are heavy in termites. And you're crazy not to have a termite inspection. People still don't, but you're crazy not to. Carpenter ants we see everywhere. There's probably not a house that hasn't had termites or, I'm sorry, carpenter ants, hasn't had carpenter ants or won't have carpenter ants at some point. It's Michigan, we got trees, they're gonna come. But they can do damage over long term. So it's important to know if they're there and if we've got damage and we need to have looked at. Powder post beetles, if you've ever seen a barn beam or even a log in the woods that's been on the ground for a long time with tiny little pinholes in it. Sometimes we make a mantle out of it and we think it's pretty. Those are powder post beetle damage. They work very, very slow. And over 100, 150 years, they can compromise a timber to the point that it becomes dust and then it fails and we got a big problem. Houses built prior to 1920 were not necessarily kiln dried wood, came straight from the lumber yard or from the woods, and we did not kill the powder post beetles that were naturally occurring in that wood, and they can slowly move to other wood in the house and deteriorate our house. So powder post beetles is usually an issue we see in older houses only. The exception to that is people who have wood burning fireplaces because they will often bring in wood to burn and leave it in their house too long. And the powder post beetles will migrate into our kiln dried wood that is now a nice wood for them to chew on if we leave too much wood in our house. So important to have that. A good pest inspector though, will also be looking for other pests. Bats is a big one guys. We got a huge bat population here. We are finding bats five or six times a week right now, okay? Um, mice, very common one, everyone's got mice. And then your basic insects, you're gonna have uh, the box elder bugs, you're gonna have stink bugs. A few years ago, everyone remembers all the Japanese beetles, ladybugs. They'll be able to tell you about all that stuff, give you some guidance on managing them, okay? Um, but the big important ones, again, are the termites and to a certain degree, the powder post beetles, making sure they're not there. If we have any of those pests there, they can all be taken care of. Grosbeck's a great neighborhood, but it's loaded with termites. Your client shouldn't necessarily steer away from that great neighborhood, 
because it has had incidence of termites. If we get termites, we can treat them as long as the damage isn't so bad. It's not a big deal. If the damage is bad. Yes, we may have to do some structural repair too. Do note that your pest inspectors are trained to identify the pests, not to determine how bad the damage is. That's where your inspector comes in, your home inspector. Hopefully not calling a structural engineer because your home inspector doesn't know what they're looking at, but can determine whether or not the damage is bad enough that we need to do some repair to that too. Um, some lenders are still requiring pest inspections. If you're doing a VA loan, make sure you know there's nothing worse than getting to the closing table and having them ask, where's your pest inspection? And you didn't do one. And then you call my office and we're scurrying out to get one real quick for you so you can close. Yes, we do that every week. Make sure you know whether your client needs that. Some VA in some counties do, some VA lenders in some counties don't. Be aware, okay? Um, RD does, 203Ks do. So there's others out there besides the VA. Um, as I said, we're gonna educate the buyers on the condition of the property and uh, all those other pest control issues. They don't have to sign a contract with the big companies. You don't need to treat in Michigan. Got to be careful. General pest treatment, you don't have to treat every month. Generally, twice a year is all that's needed to control most pests. If we have a mouse infestation, might be a couple of visits at the beginning and then out to twice a year. Um, questions about pest inspection. Again, licensed by the Department of Agriculture. Um, I understand that if you have bats in your house, you cannot have them removed until August. Yes and no. We cannot kill those bats, and it depends on the type of, we can't kill the bats, period. It depends on the type of bats. We have some protected species in Michigan that we have to allow to get through their mating and brooding season, okay, before they can be removed. That is a true statement. But a good pest inspection company is going to identify what type of mouse, it, uh, type of mouse, type of bat it is, and we don't see many that we have to wait, most we can remove, okay? Again, we can't kill them. And then the important part is sealing up the house afterwards. That has been a uh, big move in the industry, um, pest control industry, to do uh, remediation, or as they call it, include exclusion, excuse me, excluding the house for bats, for mice, um, raccoons. We had a job the other day where we had raccoons coming in our house um, to keep them out of your house. And so that is a service that a lot of pest companies um, are now performing exclusion services. Other pest questions? Yes. Can they uh, inspect for bed bugs and cockroaches? Yes. That's not a wood destroying insect, but bed bugs haven't been have been a big issue here of late. If the house is inhabited, it's fairly easy for us to inspect for. If the house is vacant, it's very difficult for us to inspect for. Bed bugs, what I'm talking about right now. The bed bugs require heat. They go into a hibernation state if the house is vacant and they will bury themselves into the rugs and carpets and we may not see them. So that's what we'll say. If it's inhabited, we're more than happy we will inspect for bed bugs and let you know if they're there. They're very expensive to remove and very difficult to remove. You don't want them. Um, but if it's inhabited, we can't give a guarantee because there's just no way to know unless we camp out in the house overnight and lay and roll all over the carpet. And we don't want to do that. 
cockroaches, yes, that would be included in the basic pest inspection if we note those. Um, thank goodness Michigan doesn't have the cockroaches that some of our southern states have, but we do get them, okay? Usually multifamily units tend to be an issue with that um, in certain neighborhoods, just lower income or see that. Other pest questions? Okay, next slide. Sewer drain scope, newer inspection service for this area. Our infrastructure is getting old, specifically our waste lines leaving our houses, our sewer lines going out to the street. And because of that, we're having more and more failure, which is leading to expensive repairs for new home buyers. During a home inspection, I cannot see in that pipe. Yes, I personally run a ton of water, but me running the water is not the same as pooping in the toilet and putting all that toilet paper and other things down it. No, I'm not gonna poop in your toilet when I do your inspection, okay? Can't imagine, but I'm sure it happens. Um, so that's where sewer scopes come in. We will send a camera down your sewer line to visually inspect that line, okay? There is no licensure for these individuals, so be careful, okay? Some do a better job than others. Some are there to sell you something when they find something. So understand who you're hiring and what their role is in it. If you haven't figured out my opinion, that company should be a third party that doesn't do repairs because many of the companies will find something that needs to be fixed. For example, a belly and a pipe, if it's flowing well, we often get bellies. We get bellies in new PVC. It happens when you backfill and don't get things perfectly level. As long as it's flowing, it doesn't create an issue. Try telling that to someone who wants to get your money to repair it because you got a belly there, okay? So know who you're hiring. We do get weeds in all pipes, including PVC. It, in time, will find its way, I said, I said weeds, roots, will find its way in. Okay, so just because you have PVC doesn't mean you're safe. Yes, you're significantly safer because it's newer, but we'll get it in all. And just because we have some root intrusion doesn't mean we automatically have to replace the line. We can often manage that by occasionally water jetting or um, augering. Do be careful with augering with old clay pipes, you can break the pipes. So water jetting is a better solution in those cases. If we have a broken pipe, Okay, now it's do not pass go. If we have a misalignment, bad misalignment, do not pass go, we need to replace the line. Average line replacement now is approaching $7,500 in Lansing, and it can get a lot more if your sewer, main sewer is on the other side of the road and we have to dig up the road to do it. I say we, I don't do any of that work. Um, if a company has to come out and do that work. So more and more agents, just like uh, Ray said, are included that in their um, um, scenario uh, for their buyers. You need to consider a sewer scope because you don't want a $7,500 bill three months after you move in because the sewer line is bad. Yes, ma'am. Approximately what year did they go from clay to PVC? Very based on municipality and builder, 68 to 74 is when we were doing that transition from our tile and cast iron to PVC. We did have some copper in there at that time too. Copper is usually not an issue, but it can still happen. Good question. If you do a sewer scope, make sure you're getting a video 
you shouldn't have to take the video with your camera. The company has the means or should have the means to deliver a video to you on site or email you that video. Though emailing the videos, difficulties are high resolution and take a long time. So usually a flash card or a flash drive with it on is the best way to do it. Um, it is important for doing these that we can locate an access point. Some houses do not have clean outs. If they don't have a clean out, we gotta go through the toilet. Some companies are charging more to go through the toilet. And I totally get that because if you haven't removed the toilet yourself, it's not fun. And sometimes they don't go back the way they're supposed to and break things. So it's a difficult process. Um, but if we have access, it's much better. Um, but sometimes we don't. Um, and make sure they're cleaning up after themselves. We know what's down in that hole and it's not pretty. Um, but they should get a report and a video uh, when that's done. Questions on sewer scoping. Yes, we do it for septics too. This is a new trend because we're seeing issues between the tank and the house that you don't get during a well and septic inspection. We'll talk about in a second. Okay, next. Well, and septic inspections. We have two point of sale counties directly bordering us or part of our board. We have many more in the state. Um, when I say point of sale, I'm talking about the county requires you to do a well and septic evaluation as part of the real estate transaction. They will not allow you to transfer ownership without passing that well and septic. Barry Eaton County used to have a program in place. It is now gone. There's talk that it may come back. Clinton County's had talk for years that they may have one. It hasn't happened yet. But Ingham County and Shiawassee County do require those point of sale inspections. Those inspectors in those counties, make sure you understand, those counties only must have passed the Ingham County or the Shiawassee County. We, the counties are now agreed. So if we've done one of them, we can do them in all of them now. Um, uh, class and testing to be on their approved list to do it. Some of the counties do offer the service too, but they generally cost more and take longer to get scheduled. Um, they're gonna be there ensuring the quality of the well, ensuring the operation of the well, making sure it meets current well code. In those point of sale counties, the inspector's role is simply to report what's there. The county makes the final decision on whether they approve it, okay? In the non-point of sale counties, you're gonna get the inspector's opinion as to the operation of those things and, and recommended repair, replacement, everything's good, whatever the case may be. Um, Use, use a approved person in those outlying counties. It's just best that way. Um, kind of like our discussion on, on inspectors and their accreditation. Um, so yeah, just Shiawassee and Ingham County right now in this area. If you are a listing agent, this market's hot, get it done ahead of time if you're in those counties, okay? There's nothing worse than slowing down a transaction because you're waiting for the county to get back to you after you ordered your well and septic inspection and four weeks later, they finally get you the information. You find out you have to replace something. Get it done ahead of time. You get that listing, let's get it ordered, let's get it done so that we're all on top of that. Questions on well and septic inspections? Yes, ma'am. There's one online. Uh, what are the waivers for the point of sale in Ingham County? It's up to the county, but sometimes the county will give waivers based on the age of the system or most recent inspection, okay? I had one, uh, it might've been Shiawassee County, but similar, that had been inspected in the previous 
two years, so they did not require them to do another one. Generally, though, it's six months, but it's up to the county. They decide whether or not they'll grant that waiver. Age of the system, how recently it's been looked at, how recently it's been maintained, if they have a well pump or a septic pump log in place, um, if they had a recent water test, stuff of that sort. Yes, sir. You measure the distance between the well and the septic. Yes. FHA has a requirement there, as you know. I'll repeat that. Do we measure the distance from the well to the septic? Yes. All part of that well and septic inspection is charting out where the septic tank is, the drain field is in relationship to the house, other outbuildings in relationship to the well and the well tank. We, each county is a little different, but basically 50 feet, we have to be between things, 10 feet from the house for our septic tanks. We will give you a map of where all that is. And we have to report that to the county to make sure we meet those guidelines. Buried tanks, for example, we have to be 50 feet away from them. <laughs> in Shiawasa County, above ground tanks have to be 50 feet away. That gets different difficult with a fuel oil tank in a house with a well because some houses we don't have that 50 feet to be away so that's a good consideration does your company do well yes we do we do well in septics too yep next thing and we're going to get done here real quick i'm going to go real quick uh yeah yeah that's perfect timing um my cv and all that doesn't really matter all that stuff other general questions before i say goodbye do your research, know, know who you're recommending. We're not all the same. Same goes true here. All right, thank you guys. Have a great day. Thank you, Jason. Uh, in closing, a couple quick updates uh, from GLAR. Uh, we're now in the first year of the three-year cycle for NAR Code of Ethics. 2022 to 2024. Uh, we have our next general membership meeting March 17th. Uh, Dr. Lawrence from NAR with an economic update. April 21st, we have another general membership meeting with a fair housing seminar. And May 19th is our spring association legal update with Jared Roberts. Thank you all for attending both in person and virtually. Have a wonderful day. That's really a good step.